Hi guys and welcome along to episode 21 of Soot and Whitewash. I'm Neil Piper and in today's show I'm going to be talking to you about a rather unknown, at least to me, um, compact camera. Stay tuned to find out which one. Cheers, bye bye. Hi guys and welcome along to the show. So today's main topic is going to be a, another camera review. Uh, what camera is it? Let's see if you can tell. If you just have a little listen to it. Hear that? Any ideas? No, of course you haven't. This one is the Pentax Athena. What's that? You've never heard of a Pentax Athena? No, neither had I. Probably a very good reason for that, but we'll get onto that in a bit. So this one, the Pentax Athena, if you're not familiar with it, which you're probably not, it's uh, 90s, probably point and shoot, um, clamshell camera, not dissimilar, I suppose, to uh, the Olympus Mu range of cameras. There it is, opening it up in all its uh, electronic glory, shall we say. Um, the reason you've probably never heard of this one is because this is not a 35mm camera, it's an APS camera. Yes, it had to come at some point. Mike's APS revolution has hit the certain whitewash podcast and I'm reviewing a bloody APS camera. Sorry, whilst I had my coffee. Right, so what is it? As I say, it's uh, an APS modelled clamshell Pentax camera. Bit smaller. Well, is it smaller than a Mew? I'm not sure. Should probably have uh, bought this. Let me just grab a, one of my many Mews. It's about the same size, to be honest. In length, width, and it's a bit, is a bit shorter in width. It's a little bit heavier as well. Except my Mew, this Mew, this particular Mew doesn't have a battery in it, so maybe it's a. Uh, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Call it. They're all about the same. Might have got that here. I suppose we can do a bit of a comparison, can't we? Let's just grab a another Mew. Mew two. Let's see if this one's working. Yeah, that one works. That'll work. So anyway, Pentax Athena, not thirty-five millimeter, as I was about to say, but an APS uh, point-and-shoot clamshell camera. What's so special about this one? I'm not really sure. So let's just go through it. I'm not really very familiar with the Pentax line of, or any of the Pentax line of cameras, to be honest. So I don't know if this is normal. Um, but let's just say you're holding it as you're normal and you've got a big old selector dial on the top for the different modes. Say different modes. Pretty much just auto and bulb. Now, Pentax users, can you write in and tell me if this is normal? They seem, how do you put this? So you've got auto mode. So it is, as it says, you turn it on half press for um, your focus lock and and it will prime your flash if it needs to and it goes simple winds on as normal that's your auto mode you've also got an auto with red eye correction so that's your, your flash whatever that does to red eye correct um, you've got a low light level sync mode which is a flash with a slightly longer shutter speed and this is the bit that confuses me. Um, they have two different bulb modes on this camera. So it seems 
maybe it's odd, I'm not entirely sure, but it seems odd to me that on a camera, for want of a better word, of this calibre, so a, a amateur photographer's 90s point-and-shoot camera, that you would need a bulb mode. Um, and it seems even odder that you would need a bulb mode with additional flash. So, yeah, I can't quite get why you'd need that. I can see your auto mode, fine. But if you're not going to build in any sort of manual control, why a bulb mode? I, I don't quite get that. So you've got just regular bulb mode, which is just um, press the shutter down. I don't know if you heard that, but that's open. And then release it, and it closes. You all know what bulb mode is. That's exactly what it does. But this one has a bulb mode with flash as well. So again, I don't know if you can hear it, but... You half press the shutter, it locks the focus, and a little light comes on to tell me that the flash is primed. So you press the button, it opens and it fires the flash, and then stays open until you release the button, like that. Now I can see that, I, I know the creative um, reasoning behind why you would fire a bit of flash with a bulb to sort of, uh, I don't know, like a night portrait maybe, but it seems, or that it would be bulb rather than just a 60 of a second or something. I don't get it. Maybe you could write in and uh, and let me know. So what else do we have on that selector dial? We have um, simply flash, which is just fire the flash at every, every occasion. And we have suppress the flash, which is probably what I would use for the most part anyway. Another interesting thing with this bulb mode is um, the slowness that it will open and close. So I don't know if you can hear this, but this is me pressing the button and just letting go of it. So did you hear that? That's as 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 quick as it can open. So I'll just talk through it. So press and open and close. That's probably about half a second maybe. I don't know if that's the case when you do auto. Let's go on auto here. Auto is a lot quicker. So that was that little noise was open and close. Open close. Hmm. And anyway. So that that's all that's all the the shooting modes that you really that you can select on this. That's probably that's probably more than you would need. Now I've used I have used this camera, I've run a roll of film through it and developed it and I just use also, and they all came out fine. It seems to be pitched around the, maybe the 90s Pentax Compact user. Maybe came out at night, maybe? Or after dusk, maybe they're all vampires. Mike, maybe you can chirp in on that. Well, you certainly are a vampire because you're a night shift worker. Maybe that's maybe all Pentax users are night shift workers. We'll go with that. So what else do we have? What other options do we have on this? So just moving around, um, you've got free button or you got a LCD display on the front that shows you by default sort of how many shots you've taken um, where are we and next to that we've got a series of free buttons so top button is the sort of <clears throat> one of the mode selectors so you press it once so by default it's just normal shooting shoot it recharges winds on shoot you know just your normal shooting mode press the button once and you get a self-timer, so I believe that's a, a 10 second self-timer. 
Giant Mouth. Certainly not any less. Yeah, just about 10 seconds. Uh, next one along. You got, uh, oh, the remote control. So there was a, I haven't got it, but there was a remote control unit, um, like, much like the Olympus, like the Muse and probably lots of other ones as well. Um, just a little handheld uh, remote control so you could mount your, your camera and take like a family self-portrait, presumably, um, with you holding a remote in it, because I'm pretty sure it works. You have to have line of sight with a little um, sensor on the front of it. Don't know that for sure, but I'm pretty sure you do. Um, so that's a remote control, and you've also got, after you press it once more, and you get landscape mode, so that's your standard sort of focus to, focus to infinity. I mean, press it again, it goes back to normal shooting mode. Uh, underneath that, you got a button which clearly marked date, which is um, for, is that for your APS? I don't know, to be honest, whether that imprints it on the front of the picture. Um, do you remember you used to get, in like the 90s, you used to see like date stamps on the front, sort of normally on the, excuse me, normally on the bottom right-hand corner, you get a date stamp or a time stamp or something. That may well be for that. So you have the option of um, day, month, year, and then various formats of that, and also the time as well, or just off. So I think that probably imprints it on the front because the next button along is your um, APS uh, messages. So you know with APS you can write, you can have imprinted on the back of your print um, certain certain messages that are all pre-programmed by the by the camera. So if you turn that on it gives you a series of numbers. And if you refer to the operating manual of this camera, which I do have from Mike Buckers on screen in front of me, there are various, um, let me just scroll to them, various messages. So I'm just bringing them up now. Um, in various different languages. Where's the start of these? I'm assuming the start ones are English. No, of course not. The beginning ones are Danish. Hang on, let me find them. All right, American English, that'll do. So you get a series of numbers. So for instance, 13-0 is Christmas. So I'll write Christmas on there. Um, Easter, Mother's Day, Memories, I Love You, Party, Holiday, Anniversary. There's a whole range of messages that when you put the right code in, they'll print it. So they print them on the back. So I'm assuming that that one is to print on the back and the date stroke timestamp goes on the front. Nice little feature if that's what you're, what you're into. Whether, how um, useful that is nowadays, I don't know. Um, see, I've, I'll talk a bit about it in a little while, but I have um, developed and scanned the roll that came out of this camera. Um, obviously, if it's APS, I don't have an APS setup, so it was a bit of a ball ache, but the the data is imprinted into the uh, onto like the the edge of the film, I think, and then the like the commercial developers and printers scanners would have read that data and then put the details on the back of the print for you so like i say i don't know this i'm sure there's still people you doing that i don't have any experience of that so you have to go and check that out yourself so where was i <clears throat> excuse me um yeah so those are basically all the buttons that you've got all the options that you've got on it um, aside from your print type, so if you know APS, um, you'll know that it gave you it, it gave you three different options. I think it was only three, certainly only three on this one, for the shape 
of your your print so on this camera it has um, what's called a type C print which is your normal um, what looks your normal sort of 35 millimeter shape rectangular frame I don't know if it is exactly the same as 35 you'd have to check that one as well like I said I'm not I'm not massively familiar with APS but your normal rectangular shape you also have what's called um, on this camera an H a type H print uh, which is slightly wider but the same height as your, your type C print and you have your type P print which must stand for panoramic because it's a, a panoramic so it looks to be like a three to one ratio and I, I believe all of those are achieved just by uh, a mask that it um, puts over in the camera when you look through the viewfinder and you change those dials it certainly masks them off for you, so you can um, pre-visualize what you're going to shoot. You don't have to look at your full frame and think, oh, I'm only going to get the middle of that if I'm shooting panoramic. It, it masks it off for you. So there, you've got the options of them. You can switch them out for, as per for however you want on each or in each frame. And just next to them, you've got the two LEDs. So you've got a green one. Uh, to confirm that your focus is locked and a red one to confirm that your flash is primed should you be using it or needing it. Um, when you're in auto mode, the camera does sort of ascertain itself whether you need it or not. Interesting thing with this one, um, with the with some of the cameras that have a pop-up flash, so this one has on the top like a pop-up flash and it actually looks quite, looks quite cool. But with a lot of them, um, you could just simply push that flash unit back into the camera and that would override it, that would suppress the flash. You can't do that with this one. You push it in, it pops straight back out. But if you wanted to override it, as I said earlier, there is a, a, a flash override option for both your, um, your bold mode and your regular shooting mode. Anyway, so that's about all of the options that I can see, stroke, find on this camera. Uh, what else have you got? That's quite a nice touch. So, again, if you're not familiar with APS, I suppose it's, it is a, a benefit with APS was that when you popped your cartridge in, um, you could shoot say half a dozen photos and think, yeah, I want a different, I want a different film. I want to put this film in a different camera. So you could um, roll this back in with accuracy. You could roll the film back into the canister and shoot it another time, either in another camera or back in this camera at a later date if you wanted to. And the way you did that was there was a button on the on the bottom, well, on the bottom of this one, it might be a different place than other cameras, but you press that and it wound. The camera would, I guess, imprint data on the film and it would know what frame you got up to. Um, and those buttons are always notoriously hard to press. You have to find a pen or a paper clip or something like that. You know, like on the iPhone SIM trays where you have to push something in, they're just like that. But on this one, I have noticed on the handy little wrist strap that comes with it, it actually has like a little nub to push that in so when you push that in you hear that it starts to wind the film back in or at least attempt to in this one because there's no cartridge in it and then that allows you to so you have to do that to be able to get the film out and it has a, a mechanical lever on the side that pops it open and then your cartridge will pop out the bottom you then put your cartridge back in this camera or into a different camera lock it all up and it would wind it to wherever it was, back to frame 12 or 13 or wherever you were. So that's a nice little touch. Also noticing on the bottom there, this does have a little plastic tripod socket on it. I don't know why 
the people that wonder why they stuck tripod sockets. Has anyone ever, please let me know, has anyone ever used a tripod with uh, a little compact camera? Anybody at all? And if, please let me know if you have, and if so, why you have. Because I, to my memory, have only ever done it once. And that was with uh, an Olympus pen and so you know the, the half frame 35 millimeter cameras and I was making dip tri diptychs and triptychs with it. So I needed it to stay along the same parallel. That's the only reason I've ever come across the use for a tripod socket on a 35 millimeter or any sort of small compact camera. If you can think of a reason otherwise, please let me know because I genuinely would be interested to know. So anything else on this? I mentioned the, the viewfinder earlier. Um, like I say, when you look for it, it is masked to what your C, your H, or your P. And it has, um, what are they called? Parallax correction marks. So this one, it tells you, um, I think the manual said when you're closer than a meter, compose it within the, the parallax correction marks, which are just on the top of the screen on this one. It also says that if you're using um, your panoramic mode, then don't go closer than that. Because when you mask off to your panoramic mode, I notice it does, um, the parallax correction marks do disappear. So it's gonna be quite drastically different to what you are seeing through the viewfinder. Um, is that about it? That is about it really. I mean, the lenses, I mean, to be fair, I have, shot this like I say and the images are quite sharp um, it's got a Pentax well it just says Pentax zoom lens on it it's a whopping 24 to 48 so uh, I guess fairly wide to about sort of normal is that the same I mean that would I would associate that with a 35 millimeter camera 24 is fairly wide 48 50 that's sort of your fairly sort of normal lens isn't it APS frame size isn't that much smaller so I would I'd put it about the same so it's a 2448 and it is a fairly sharp sharp lens um that's probably about all i need to say about this one um get one if you if you come across one and you're open to the idea of the pain in the ass that it is to home process aps i should probably talk you through that as well i'll talk you through that in a minute um i'll talk you through that now so when i when I shot this camera, um, I, wanted, I, I, I shoot every camera that comes through my collection, regardless of its stupid film type, if I can get away with it. And I shot half of this roll before I realized that, hey, this is APS, and it's not quite 35 millimeter size, is it? So fortunately, I have, um, I'm never gonna be able to find it in all this tat, but I have a, a spiral, a spool, for developing film that is almost infinitely adjustable. So with your regular, if you process yourself, you, you know that your standard like Patterson type spiral, the plastic spirals are normally adjustable to 35 millimeter, 127 and 120 stroke 220 film. They have, they lock into those positions and you can't get around that. Now there are certain spools that you can buy. Um, this one of mine, wherever it is now, is an old Patterson type. And it's, it has little locking uh, grooves. So it's half of the spool is mounted onto the column itself. You can't remove it. 
the other half of this ball slides up and down the column. And it does have little grooves in it to match up to your 35 millimeter, your 127, your 120. Uh, this one also has a groove for 110, which is quite nice. But there's no groove for APS. But if you are fairly careful and you set the, you can slide the, slide the spool down the column and have it at the right size for APS. Then in the dark, you don't necessarily need the channel that it, that it sort of, you know how they, they rotate backwards and forwards to suck your film in. It will still do that without the channel. You just have to be very careful. So you can do that in the dark, get APS in there, cut it off the spool, um, and then process it as you would. Um, so it's gonna be C41. I don't think there's any black and white APS still available. So yeah, it can be done and then you just process it in the normal way. So what I was saying is if you come across one of these cameras um, and it's not too re not too badly priced. I actually have genuinely no idea what these are changing hands for on the second hand market at the moment. <sighs> Absolutely no idea. I don't even care to be honest. Um, if you come across one and you and it's a price you're happy to pay for it, if you can be bothered to deal with the fact that it's APS, get it. It's 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 uh, it will give you a decent picture. As far as its use. It's not a terribly fun camera to use. It's literally just a, a point and shoot, pretty much. There's some sort of creative control, but the actual sort of tactile feeling and sort of haptic feedback that you get from the camera, there's there's nothing there, really. I mean, it's nice that it's a clamshell, but it sounds horrible. The actual mechanics of the clamshell is quite nice. I mean, you sort of slide it open and slide one door, and the second door behind it sort of slides at a different speed, and then the lens pops out and the flash pops up. It's kind of it's kind of nice, something a bit different to the Mew. Slides the slides the wrong way in my opinion. So when you're sort of holding it as you would normally, if you're looking down on it, you slide it to the left with your left hand. That doesn't feel quite right to me. I'm sure I had another one that done that. To me, yeah, the Mew slides from the right, from the middle to the right, which Maybe that's because I'm right-handed. I don't know. That definitely feels nicer to me. Anyway, I'm rambling now, aren't I? So yeah, if one comes into your possession, by all means, give it a try. You can process the APS yourself without too much of an issue. Um, and you can buy um, neg holders, neg trays for APS now. Um, negative solutions are a good option for that. I've used them on a couple of occasions for like custom... Uh, I think he 3D prints um, different neg trays. And it's been a while since I've been on on his website. Um, he also trades for eBay. It's been a while since I've had a look, but I am absolutely positive he has an APS one, along with many other different ones. So, yeah, I don't think there's anything else to, to say about it. Pentax Athena, poor man's Mew. Maybe we'll call it that. <laughs> no, I'm not going to call it that. I'm definitely going to call it that. Poor man's Mew. It's all right. Grab one if you like, if you can deal with the fact that it's APS. Okay, that's probably about where we're going to end um, main content of this show today. Um, I'm just going to take a little break, collect my thoughts, and then I'll come back and finish up the show. Cheers, guys. Okay, and I'm back. Apologies for if that was a bit of a ramble. Um, that's what happens when you uh, try and review a camera that you've only used the once and you're not 
terrifically familiar with it and you don't particularly like it very much. I'll try harder next time, I'm sure. Um, right, so on the topic of next time, um, I just want to drop a little bit of news. So I have, I said from the very beginning when I started this, this show uh, that it was going to be an as and when podcast, as in as and when I feel like I have something to say and have the time to record. Now, that swiftly never happened because I'm having a lot of fun recording recording this show, um, talking about stuff that I personally find interesting and I hope that you do. But I am finding now, um, the finding the time to record um, is becoming a bit harder. As you know from last week's show, I am studying for my master's degree I work a couple of jobs and I have a family and finding the time to record this show is proving to be a bit problematic. So I'm going to say now that this show will come out as as normal on Friday and then I am going to revert back to as and when. So I'm not I'm not by any means giving up on the show. I'm not even taking a hiatus from the show. It's just going to be as and when I have the time to record the show and when I have something that's interesting to talk about. The last thing that I want to put out and you guys to listen to is uh, a forced show about stuff that I'm not really interested in. So yeah, that's all I wanted to say on that. So this one, like I say, is going to come out Friday and the next one will come out as and when I've got something interesting to say and when I have the time to record. It might even be the following Friday, I don't know. Um, so yeah, that's about, that's what I have to say on that. Okay. So let's round this up before this gets too waffly again. Um, you can see my photography at, um, at Neil underscore Piper on Instagram. I'm also on most of the other social medias. Just search me out by name, Neil Piper. Um, I also have a website if you want to check out some of my work there, which is just neilpiper.com. And the show has its own Instagram, um, account. That's what they call it, they? Instagram account. Um, and that's just soot and whitewash, at soot and whitewash. If you want to drop me a line, please, please feel free to. Um, soot and whitewash at gmail.com, or you can send me a call in. If there's anything that you would like me to talk about, um, anything that you know that I do that you'd like to know more about, um, by all means, drop us a line. If you just want to say, good, good riddance, stop recording. Yeah, that wouldn't be very nice, but you can do that as well. Okay. So thanks a lot, guys, and I shall speak to you when I do. Thanks, guys. You're great. Cheers. Bye-bye.